You know, when you have an extra week to work on a sermon, you, you, you end up throwing out the original one and starting all over. Did you know that? What seemed good last week was no longer good this week. It's been an interesting week listening. I know in our household there was a, a lot of listening to the television and listening to the apps, trying to figure out whether there would be another snow day. The snow day app, have you heard about that? The snow day app, it gives you a percentage chance. And I tell you, the snow day app is lousy. And, and others know that as well. The, the kids have a, an inner circle of understanding that it, it's excited what it says, but it's always wrong. But there's another gentleman, a, a, a forecaster, uh, I might be for Channel 8, he gives snow cancellation predictions as well. And, and he tempers his prediction with saying how well he thinks he's going to be right or wrong. And the kids watch that too. There's all this listening for whether school would be canceled. I remember back when I was a kid, we'd wake up early to listen to the radio. And you'd have to wait for that long string of callings. And, and wouldn't you know it, someone would talk right about the time when it was your time in the alphabet, right? I'm listening. Shh. Listening. You know, the scriptures tell us there was a time when Israel did not have a king other than God, and that was the king. He was the king. But the people struggled, and they were drifting more and more away from God. And, and God would raise up judges for them to listen and follow, and, and the judge would help reorient them. But even the book of Judges, in the whole number of judges that come, we see there's a decline that takes place. Even among the judges, they, they seem to be less and less willing to follow God and more and more following their own desires and their own wants. Many of us learned about Samson in Sunday school, and yet Samson has got a lot of problems. He's an example of how the judges were getting worse and worse. Listening for God. This morning we're going to read a story for those that have been in the church a long time that's probably pretty familiar. If you went through Sunday school, you've heard this story many a time, the story of the boy Samuel and his calling before God, his listening. And it comes at a time where we're told the word of the Lord was rare in those days. People were no longer listening. So I ask you to pray with me that together we may listen to God's word and hear what he has to teach us today. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you know exactly what each of us hears today. You know how vastly different that may be from one person to the next, and yet somehow through your spirit, you know exactly what we need to hear. 
Perhaps, oh Lord, we'll walk away today feeling like we didn't hear much and there might be others of us who feel like, wow, I wasn't even going to come and that's exactly what I needed to hear. In your divine mystery, O oh God, you know exactly who we are and you know exactly what your word is to do today. So we pray that you would bless your word to us, that you would open our ears, open our hearts, that we might receive what you have to give us. And we pray all this through the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and the love that he has lavished on us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said, a familiar story for some, and maybe a renewed story for others. First Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel, the boy Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Eli was the priest at that time. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which is to say that this was in the very early morning. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling out as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. 
On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do to you so, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned earlier, many of us probably remember this story. We probably don't remember it in its larger context because we heard about Samuel's calling, but we didn't necessarily hear about the judgment upon Eli and Eli's house. That might be new information to many of us. Eli was the priest of the time, and his sons, who were also serving as priests, were greatly abusing their situation. And so God is going to finally call down judgment. A prophet had come before, an unnamed prophet, and said that there would be judgment on Eli's house. And it's through Samuel now that that word comes. But as we listen to the story, as we think on Samuel, there are several things that happen here. There's confusion. There's discernment. There's direction, and there's revelation. Confusion, as in uh, Samuel doesn't know who's calling him or assumes that it's Eli calling him. There's discernment in that Eli finally figures out that it's God calling Samuel. There's direction in that Eli gives Samuel direction into how to answer God and how to be properly positioned before God. And then there's revelation, what God has to say. Confusion, 
discernment, direction, and revelation. Confusion. We all, we all know what it's like to be confused. I mean, there's not one of us here that can say that we've not been confused at some time or another. We've um, gotten something wrong. We've misunderstood. Um, how many of us have simply woken up from a nap and looked up at the clock and, and we can tell it's a clock and we can see where the hands are, but this still doesn't make any sense to us. Anybody been that confused before? Right? That's just me. There's confusion when we simply don't know what's happening. We're, we can't make sense of things and, and we get things wrong. We mishear someone. It's amazing how the mind works with confusion. How the mind works to make sense of what we see and of what we hear, how the mind works rapidly far ahead of what we're even able to recognize, and it works to put it together and make sense of things. You know, um, I was talking to someone recently who was um, driving in uh, the snowstorm and, and, and had a hard drive of it, but referenced another time where the snow was so bad. They were following what they thought were the car lights in front of them, but it turns out instead it was the house lights of a house, and so they ended up in the person's lawn. Right? There's confusion. There's confusion when we, we don't know what's going on and our mind races ahead to make sense of things. When I was young, before my voice changed, back when phones were still attached to the wall and tethered to it, you remember you could only go so long? Some of us had that 30-foot cord, could walk around the whole house, right? I answered the phone, and one of my mom's friends had called for my mom. And I said hello, and apparently my voice hadn't changed enough. And that friend of my mom assumed it was my mother and launched right into all she had to say. And I couldn't get a word in to say, I'm not my mom. And I heard things I shouldn't have heard. <laughs> there was confusion on both sides. And maybe a little embarrassment. Confusion. Samuel is confused. Samuel doesn't know who's calling him. How many of us wish that God would just call us out loud just once at least to say, I'm here, I'm real, I want you to do X. Couldn't God make it easier? Just tell me what to do. Say it audibly, make it clear, maybe even write it down. How many of us have gotten directions on Christmas, you know, to put the toys together for the kids, and you open the directions and say, there's no way. This doesn't go into that. That's a terrible picture. We want directions from God. We want to hear. Samuel is confused because he's not, well, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. How many people right now 
can feel like, you know, I, I feel like I haven't heard from God in a while. Or I'm not sure I ever really heard from God. Kind of going along with everyone else. And I, I, I want to feel direction. I want to feel God has something to say. And how much more those who are out in the world who feel like God's just absent. They go so far even to say there isn't a God. And so there's all manner of confusion. Samuel is, is, is a boy living and working in, it says the temple, but it's the tabernacle. It's, 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 it's the household of God. It's this movable, portable tent system. And Samuel has been given over as a gift to that service. He probably was responsible for keeping the light of the Lord going through the night. They'd light the lamp and, and, and they'd light it at nighttime. It was to go through all the way to the morning. And someone had to attend to make sure that stayed burning. It was a visible reminder that God is present with us. And yet so often people can hear that God is present but wonder, where are you? Samuel, who is growing up in the temple, in the tabernacle structure, Samuel, we're told, hadn't yet, what, how did it say it? What was, what was it exactly? Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But he's in the temple. It's that old adage, just, just because you're in the garage, it doesn't make you the car. Just because you're in the church, We want to hear. There's confusion. And Samuel is confused. And, and because the assumption is, well, the assumption is what our minds fill in. How our minds make sense of things. In the feeling of the absence of God, we start to fill in other things to be what will make us secure and safe and, and, and the reason for living. And Samuel's not alone. I mean, look at the wise men. They, just a few weeks ago, we're talking about the wise men. And, and the wise men follow the star. They are, they're dedicated that God has done something. And they follow the star all the way from the east, all the way traveling west. And when they finally get close to where the star seems to be hovering, they see Jerusalem, the capital city. And so they go to Jerusalem. Their assumption is that this king is to be found in Jerusalem. There's the capital city. There's the star. It's close enough. Let's go. Our minds start to fill in what we perceive as the gaps. Samuel hears his voice and he jumps up and he runs to the priest Eli, who he's had to be in service to, whose Eli's eyes are starting to grow dim. Boy, there's a statement. And he's assuming he needs to attend to him. And uh, I mean, can't, uh, how many of us have been in that position when the kids get up too early, huh? I didn't call you, go back to bed. Go back and lie down. How many people did I just make yawn? <laughs> it happens the second time. Samuel pops up again. Here I am, for you called me. I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. 
And I'll try to be more gentle about it. And so I'll say, I didn't call you, my son. <clears throat> right now, I wish you weren't. Go back and lie down. There's confusion. And then it says that the Lord called a third time. Samuel repeats the same thing. Here I am, for you called me. And now, now we move from confusion into discernment. It's not working to say to him, go back and lie down. That's not working. He just keeps coming back. We've got to try a new approach. But what if? What if God is actually calling Samuel? Eli realizes that's probably what's happening. Samuel is so clearly alert and has come and believes he's heard his name and he's come and he's attentive. He's just come to the wrong person. So often in listening for God, we, we get our signals crossed. We, we think it's something else that God is calling us to do. We rush ahead. Listening to God is truly stopping and listening. Eli discerns that it's God calling and says, go back and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Eli discerns that it's God, discerns that God may be calling Samuel and gives direction. Who, who discerned and gave direction for you? Maybe it's a few decades ago. Who was, who was it in your life that could hear and give directions for you to draw closer to the Lord? Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a family member or a beloved aunt or grandma or grandpa. Maybe it was a friend. Here's another question. Who are you presently engaged with helping someone else to discern? Who are you helping give direction to right now that they might try to figure out the troubles of life and realize that God may be leaning into their life. Things are happening around people and they, they try to interpret the signs. We think of people long ago being superstitious and interpreting the signs. People still do it today. I remember a couple of churches back, the steeple was taken off in a big storm and the number of people that came into our office over the next week who thought that that steeple was taken off and that was a sign from God about something in their lives. People are looking. They're hungry. Who are you presently engaged with discerning and helping to give direction to Jesus Christ? And if you're not presently, then the challenge would be to start listening for where the Spirit may be leading you in helping someone else. 
Maybe it's a fleeting moment, a pass by in the store where you just give someone else a a good word of encouragement when their day is hard. Or maybe it's someone you know and you've had years together and now you're being called to enter into a new space. The direction that Eli gives is different than what we've heard before when others hear God calling them. When Abraham heard God calling, he said, here I am. When Moses was before the burning bush and heard God called, he said, here I am. When Adam and Eve heard God calling after they had partaken of the fruit in the garden, they said, nothing. I'm sorry, I always wanted to do that. Eli says, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak is allowing the other person the floor. Allowing the other person the space to say what needs to be said. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm quick to jump in when someone else comments and I, and I, and I run over what they're trying to say as I either leap ahead to finish the sentence for them or I just want to so engage. Speak is clearing the space and allowing God to speak. How often in our prayers and in our moments do we allow God to speak? Then there's the acknowledgement that God is God. Speak, Lord, you are my Lord. There's this acknowledgement that you are God. That's why you have the privilege to speak. You can speak. And I, your servant, am listening. It's a reminder again of who we are, that in coming to worship God, our job, our responsibility is to be listening for what the Holy Spirit is directing us to be and do. We're listening. What do you have for me to do today? How am I supposed to grow today? Who am I supposed to help today? What would you do with me today? Part of the trouble is that we're often concerned that if God did speak, we're not sure we want to hear what he'd say. Many people will will read this passage, preach from this passage, and they'll only do to the point that Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Ah, the story's done. Samuel got it. He knows now to listen. But we read on and heard what the message was. It was a message that was not a happy message. It was a message of destruction for Eli and his house. It was a message that God said that the ears of people, when they hear of it, their ears would tingle. Why? Because it wasn't just Eli's house that was crushed and fall apart. It was that the the Ark of the Covenant was also taken by the enemies. The army was crushed. It was a horrific event. It was terrible. 
And Samuel was the one burdened with carrying this. So often the prophets were burdened with difficult news from God, not because God is a God of actual tremendous vengeance and anger, but rather that God is about making things right. And when we're on the wrong path, just like a parent will discipline a child, hear the word discipline, the root of discipline is disciple, to bring them back onto the path. A parent will discipline a child in the same way God will discipline his people to bring them back to where we need to be, to get us back on the path of pursuing him and chasing after him. The word of the Lord was not always horrible and hard. Sometimes it was a message of deliverance. Often, even the destruction that was going to come was a message also towards deliverance. Moses standing before the burning bush, I will help you lead my people out of Egypt. It is not always a harsh method that God will take in that deliverance. Imagine the shepherds just taking care of the sheep and suddenly a host of heaven singing glory to God in the highest and delivering to them the message of good news that is for all people. The revelation that God is done with all that, that God has now sent his son to redeem and, re and make us whole, calling us home. This is the message we carry as we listen to God. The message of God's deliverance through his son, Jesus Christ. So this morning we are reminded that in our confusion that we, we need someone to help us discern. Or in others' confusion, they need someone to help them and give direction in what God is doing what God wants to speak into our lives, that we can hear his revelation of good news, that he didn't leave the world just to spin out of control and get worse and worse as it did in the judges, but rather has now come in and said he will make all things right through his son, Jesus Christ. And to that, may God be fully glorified. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us to listen. Help us to have hearts to make space for you to speak. Help us not to assume where you are going, but to listen for each and every step and the beauty and the majesty of it. The psalmist says that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us once again to see, O oh Lord. Help us once again to follow you. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. Amen.